But what I do is I do a, a promo from you that I use on other people's shows. So all you do is say, hi, this is Karen Briscoe from 5-Minute Success, I think. Did I get that right? Make sure I have a little note. 5minutesuccess.com. Yay. <laughs> yes. And you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Or, you know, you can, you're listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. You know, have a cup of coffee. Read my book. <laughs> All righty. Yeah, something like that. So, so I do the promo. Okay. You're doing the promo. Right. You're saying, okay. hi, this is Karen. Okay. This is my website. You're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. And have a cup of coffee and read my book. Something like that. <laughs> or whatever right, or you just pull say. up a chair and listen. There you yeah. go. Perfect. And listen too. Okay. All right. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and do that. Hi there. This is Karen Briscoe with Five Minute Success. And I am on the Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. So grab a cup of coffee and listen in and read my book. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> How did that work? That's awesome. I'm, I'm, that's perfect. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to hit stop and then we'll start a new file for the show. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Brakey, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? It is going great, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, uh, I appreciate you being here, and uh, let's have some fun, right? That sounds like a plan to me. All right. So you have uh, a really fun uh, life path, life story, so I'm uh, looking forward to get to that. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about speakittobook.com and, and how you're helping folks speak books. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you this because I've told this story before. I've tried writing, you know, where you do like this, right? And then, and then there's words on the screen. As I'm, it's really not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ask me to talk to like four people, uh, four different people I've never met in a day, I could do that really easy and it totally. would be a blast. Right. So yeah, if I've told people in the past, like if I ever... If a book was ever to come out of my brain, it would have to be talked out. So Most I, definitely. I get it. <laughs> and I think I'm not alone in that, right? No, I mean, that's the thing is uh, you, you have a completely different form of communication. You know, speaking is not writing. Writing is not speaking. But you are communicating. You're getting the, the, the necessary elements out. And so really, uh, we exist for those really who, who aren't necessarily writers or who just don't have time to write. And, and the people who we really help the most are those who are living a great story. Um, because you know, there's, there's people out there who might, uh, want to write a book, but maybe they haven't lived it yet. They haven't experienced life enough. Uh, you know, Neil Gaiman says that, um, there's a lot of great writers out there 
who uh, don't have anything to say. And I think that can really be translated into a a lot of different, you know, not, not just writers necessarily, but there's a lot of people out there who want to be heard, who really don't have a lot to say. And so uh, it's about it, but he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just leave us with this, you know, insulting quote. (laughs) He says, Hey, go get your heart broken, go start a business, go fail, go, um, you know, let you, Go, go in and, and live life because yeah. the more experiences you have, the greater your story is going to be. Uh, that's what we tell, sto- you know, when, when you're around a campfire, at a bar, anywhere, stories are always the center of what's going on. So go and get yourself some stories. Um, and so we really help people who are living great stories. And we really have two criteria for our kind of our perfect client, the people that we really can help uh, in a really fantastic way. And, uh, the first criteria is, you know, is this the type of person who, you know, if we were to knock over the cup of, of their, their life, uh, would it, would it just spill out a passion, a, a purpose that they have? Um, you know, if, if we were to meet in a coffee shop, would it be easy for them to tell me, you know, what it is that, that they're about, what the value that they bring into the world, would it just kind of flow out or would they be nervous and wondering if they should take notes and, you know, all these different things. So one, mm. hey, if I tip you, it, it, are you going to spill out with something? And it's just going to be easy and effortless for you. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two is uh, we like to use books as a way to build people's platforms, to build their brand, to build so much more than just a book that's going to be uh, put on Amazon. Uh, we like to think as books as a bridge to whatever it is that that uh, y- you ultimately want to be in five years, whether it be a, a speaker, a coach, a consultant, what we're really looking to do with a book is it becomes the front end of you establishing yourself as a thought leader in a particular category, in a particular niche where you can plant your right. stake in the ground and and wear the t-shirt that says, you know, I am the podcasting guy. I am the ghostwriter. This is what I do. This is the value I bring to the world. And, and, and then following through and bringing that value to people. And so that's really the type of person that we help. We help those persons who are living such a great story, don't have time to put their life on pause to write it. And then we really help them strategize, hey, how can we make this this value you're bringing to the world? How can we actually build you into a platform and into a brand? Mm, wow. That's so much more than just a book. It is. You know, <laughs> a, a, a lot more a, than a book. book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you know, just I've said always, is like um, huge. I've I always mean, enjoyed putting together puzzle pieces. Yeah. And even in my own writing journey, uh, I would hit points where um, I realized that writing wasn't going to be enough. I had to become a great marketer. And so I stopped writing for four years to learn internet marketing. And that's become one of the backbones of our ghostwriting agency is, you know, we run almost completely on internet marketing. We, we went, started with, you know, $300 first client and are now, you know, up into the, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and it all happened because of internet marketing. So I like to find uh, the missing pieces and figure out a way, whether it be me or finding someone who has the skill set I don't have and putting them together. And really that has be, been an evolution with books because at the end of the day, I would love to just sit and write all day. Right. But, right. you know, it's writing isn't about the author. It isn't about just getting to a finished book. You have to be thinking about the value that you're bringing to the world, about your readers and about the different elements that it takes to reach people. And, and a lot of the times it's a lot more than just great writing. There's a lot of great writers out there who will never be read because, uh, they refuse to, uh, add those different elements around them. That really is the purpose of a book, which is helping others transform their lives. Mm, Right. 
Yeah, because there is this sort of like um, movement in this sort of like uh, entrepreneurial space with the people. Everybody's writing books, right? But, you know, how many books are you going to write? <laughs> it's almost like, you know, I, I know like there's a lot of folks out there that just they they follow this model of uh, a new book every year almost. Right. And um, and that seems like you're on a different model than that. You know, that that that's like a book for a different reason. Maybe I'm not exactly sure. It's still a lead, but it's more like I wrote this. I wrote this book as a business card kind of uh, idea. Yeah. You know, I have nothing wrong with people who write a book a year. For for me, it's always comes down to the same question. You know, people often ask me, "Hey, what's the perfect length for a book?" And I, I always tell them the same thing: the book stops when the value stops. So if That's someone's good. cranking out a book every year and they're providing value, right. and it's around what they want to do, become, connect with the right people, awesome. But if it's just someone who says, ah, "I got to crank a book out every year to keep my fans happy," and they're producing crap, uh, <laughs> I'm not for that at all. Uh, you can do it. I mean, there's nothing. Right. You know, no right. one can stop you from doing it. It's a free country. It's a yeah. free. You know, you can do whatever you want. You but know, it's probably I believe work in, a little in bit. creating yeah. the best value that you can for people. And um, and you know, the the creation of books, it's 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 all the same thing. Whether um, you know, the reason why we think bigger in terms of thought leadership and hey. Uh, you know, let's go from a book to a video series to a consulting practice or business to speaking. It's because, you know, I truly believe if someone's writing a book to 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 be valuable to someone, why not grow a deeper relationship with those people that you're helping and take them to that next step? Because the book shouldn't be the end. Uh, it should be the beginning. It should be the introduction of what you do. It should be a low barrier of entry into a relationship with you, the the expert in whatever field this is. And so I could see why a lot of people look at books as, as just a business card. And it most definitely is that. But I like to look at what's happening underneath. And, you know, business card is really, you're just trying to build trust with people. And, and really building trust is just doing what you said you would do. And that's to bring value to people's life. And, and a book helps uh, kind of separate uh, the good from the bad because you can recognize junk when you see it and you can recognize real value when you see it. And that is the base from which uh, you can then build something even greater. So if you have great things to say in a book, well, you're going to have great things to say on a stage or in a video or at a conference or, or what have you. Amen. <laughs> Speak it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're passionate about it. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of folks out there, I think, that when they go, like, are, are you familiar with the, the, the Wayne Dyer? He was a spiritual teacher. He was on PBS. The name PBS. sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah. I can't say I do remember that name, no. Well, he was on PBS a lot, like, uh, okay. and he recently passed away. And he was on Oprah quite a bit. And um, so, but like... He wasn't on the every book a year thing, but he was on more of a, I'm going to use this book as the beginning of this current uh, inspiration period, right? So he would latch mm -hmm. on to like something like intention or, you know, some sort of aspect of spirituality. But then he would spend time in Hawaii swimming and writing a book, right? And then when the book was done, he did exactly what you were talking about. He would then book uh, a book tour. And then he would record that with professional videotape and then it would be a DVD series. And then, you know, obviously they're live events and then all of that gets melded into this big, huge set of products, you know, um, that can eventually get sold 
well, sold, right? <laughs> or gifted, as they say on PBS, um, as, uh, is, you know, so much more than a book, right? So just the idea of that once you get the book out, you've got most of the work done. Most of the rest of those things are iterating the ideas in the book. Exactly. It, it's right. supplemental. It's, yeah. you know, a book is a great way to communicate ideas, give value. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't have even what we're having right now, a conversation. We get voice inflection. Uh, we can laugh. It's a step up in communication. And then beyond right. that is meeting someone in person. Um, you know, these are different levels of communication, different levels that you can help and connect with people. And so, um, you know, where some people might look at it like, oh, you're just repackaging and repackaging everything. It's like there's a there's an element of truth to that. But um, you there there are things that you can do. You know, a book only takes you so far. Uh, the real question is, is like now now what is that next step? How can I help this person to the next level? How can you know, there's a lot of intangibles that we don't think are very important, but they are, you know, just hearing a word of encouragement and so on. Say, say if you could connect with your favorite author, um, even just being able to have that sort of connection or, or have them write you an email, it would be such a boost to you personally. You right. just read their book and you got this, this email. Well, we like to think of creating these different avenues, video series, uh, you know, conferences, uh, consulting calls, whatever as going deeper into a relationship. And that's really, that's building your platform. And, um, you know, the other thing we're big on is uh, sustainability, which this also helps that make it sustainable. Cause with a book, you have a very small margin product. And when you have a small margin product, you don't have any wiggle room to, uh, drive marketing to it, uh, you know, marketing dollars. And so like, say you work with a traditional publisher, they sell your book for $10, uh, you own 20% of your book. Uh, you have to pay Amazon for what they have. You know, you might be getting a dollar a book. Maybe that is not very good. You cannot make a sale of your book with every dollar you put into marketing. So it just does not work. And so when you have all these other things set up where people can get into a deeper relationship with you over a period of time, well, then you can sell things to make it makes sense. You can do it so you can do it sustainable. You could keep writing your books, but then you're also selling your video series. You're selling that, uh, those consulting calls, you're selling those tickets to your events. It's, it's, I mean, it can make some people rich, but to me, it's just smart in making yourself sustainable so that you don't burn out so that, uh, you can actually focus on the people you're trying to help as opposed to goodness gracious, I hope my book sells so that I can put food on my table. Right. Uh, that's a completely different mindset. That's going to just suck you dry of right, any right. value that you're bringing to the world. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a different thoughts and angles that you can hit it from, but yeah, that's, that's the way we like to think about books. I love it. I love all of that because you got into that whole scarcity versus abundance sort of mindset shift. Right. So, but we have to service my brand here. I know we got excited talking about Speak It to Book, uh, but let's go back in time a little bit and talk about Caleb before Speak It to Book happened. So most definitely, yeah. So if you don't mind, uh, and and have fun with it, right? So you started out going to school and you studied journalism. So you were kind of a writer from a young age. Most definitely, I was the one writing newsletters uh, for my family. I was the one who nice. would write the Christmas newsletters. I would be the one who write parody articles about our, you know, church softball team. I would do anything with writing. And, uh, I was also a very insecure kid. I, I didn't think I was really good at anything. And writing was the one thing 
that I negatively saw is like, Hey, this is the one thing I don't suck at. I didn't think I was great at it or anything like that, <laughs> right, but right. No, Hey, maybe I, I can do this. So yeah, that's yeah. really how I decided to go into journalism is like, well, if I can kind of write and then of course confidence slowly grows, you start to like what you do. Uh, and then I, I always wanted to, um, one of the things I did as a kid, uh, way back when, when I was, I don't know, eight years old, nine years old, I grab all my baseball cards and put them in front of me and I would play general manager. I loved baseball. I loved sports. And so I thought, well, either I could write or go into sports, uh, management of some sort, some sort. And, um, so what happened was I ended up going into sports journalism and that was great. It was a wonderful career. I graduated. I, I worked hard, got the the hard internships. I interned for MLB.com. I covered the New York Yankees for a year right. and just, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, I'm a homebody and, uh, I like home. I like being around family. My wife is around this area. Well, there was only two sports journalism jobs back here. And, uh, uh thankfully I got one. And it was great. But uh, after a couple of years, I started doing the same stories, same things. And I got that itch. I, I needed to challenge myself. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, for someone who always had just super low confidence in, and not a lot of um, self-respect and, and things like that, uh, I needed to, to see what I could do. And uh, I, I needed to, to dive deep and say, you know, what value can, can you offer here and, and through writing. And so that began the journey of, of taking my writing to the next level of, of going the traditional route. And, and that led to, to much more from there. Yeah, I can imagine. Let's, let's back up a little bit because I think some folks might be interested in a little starstruck. So what was it like? Like, interviewing folks like Derek Jeter, Roger Clemens, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez. I mean, these are all sort of like, I'm not even in the baseball and I know all those names. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So just, you know, give us a little sort of like a peek into the, into the lives of those folks. Um, What was it like just interviewing those people? You know, it was at first it was a very uh, a star starstruck type of um, feeling walking into the clubhouse, always being a baseball fan, right? Uh, growing up, but uh, the more you know, you <laughs> live life, the more you uh, have an opportunity to even get close to people that we kind of hold at arm's length as a society as superstars or um, you know celebrities and things like that. At the end of the day, these are just people, right. um, and I I think that one of the greatest things I took from it is, um, you have to, the, the way that you can connect with someone like that is to let the starstruck fade from your eyes and see them as a human being and, and nothing more. Um, because that's what more we need more as a society, uh, in in general. I mean, whether you're rich, poor, come from a, uh, you know, whatever background you come from, everyone has, uh, the human, uh, mark on them and right. that makes them very valuable. And I think too many of us kind of try to separate, you know, this person's worth so much more, you know, because they can throw a baseball a hundred miles an hour, or right. this person's worth so much more because they're in the news headlines and to be able to see them and talk with them as human beings. Uh, that's what I found, uh, helped me to, to get certain, uh, players open up to me more than they, they would the, the average, Hey, uh, you know, tell me, walk me through the seventh inning at bat where this happened. 
um, because they're humans and they they have a story and they have things that are important to them, even you know much deeper than just the game. All of them are passionate about the game, but they're also really passionate about their family and they're passionate about their faith and they're passionate about their hobbies and and so that's where I like to I, I like to um, disarm, uh, try to disarm, try mm. to get to the human parts of them because um, they admired that because you know they were at a point. Uh, once where they were looking up to other people and never thought they would be a star. And then one day uh, they got thrust into the limelight and uh, people started looking at them differently. And I could imagine even though everyone knows who they are, they could enter a place where they feel very uh, – they didn't feel understood. And right, so right. Uh, all yeah, of yeah. that was a great experience, a great challenge, a great uh, class and just learning about empathy kind of in a, in a different way, mm. um, you know, trying to figure out what it's like to be a celebrity or a star and just try to think through that and then, you know, ask questions that, um, you know, would come at them from a different angle. Mm. Yeah, especially so like I know baseball players just must be like, especially, first off, there's not much of an off season. And they're playing nearly every damn day. <laughs> it's very true. You know, that is, that's really hard work. I mean, yeah, it's amazing and it's fun and, um, you know, it's, you know, glamorous, I suppose. But at the end of the day, you're still human and you're still stressed out and exhausted, you know. So I can imagine if you sort of like, like what you're saying is just sort of like back off and treat them like a human. They're going to they're going to respond uh, a lot more positively towards you. Totally. It, it, it really was. It was a, it was a hard it was a hard balance because you, you wanted to to do exactly what I just said. But you always had something against you. And that was that you were a reporter and you were you were wearing a badge. And so you want to connect with them personally. And I think a lot of that is is trust. And it's kind of like, well, am I talking to you right now or am I talking to you know, the entire paper, is the whole internet going to see this? Right. And they always have to balance, you know, how they respond. And it's, it's a sad place. I, uh, a friend long ago once told me that anonymity is, is a gift that so many true. of us overlook so true. because once you are known and you're thrust in that limelight, it's hard to be your authentic self. It really is. It's, it's really, especially when, you know, Okay, yeah, sure. You're Derek Jeter, the person, right? But really, you're sitting up there. You're now like the face of the Yankees, and there's billions of dollars, you know, writing on shit you say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can't, you know, you can't just think, oh, I'm just gonna be myself here, you know, and screw around because that's, you know, we just can't do that. Right. We're not all Donald Trump. Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so that was fun. So, okay, you also, it looks like you you talked to a lot of musicians. So just talk a little bit about, like, the big difference between, say, like, interviewing a musician versus a professional athlete. So was there, a, was it, was it like all celebrities are the same, or was there a, a big difference? Um... I know, you know, I know what you're going to say. They're all people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. the, well, that's the thing is that obviously they're all different. Um, but, but they all, you know, they all are people. And, and again, it came back to the hardest thing was trying to connect with them as a human 
um, while having a a big strike against me and the fact that I was a reporter. Right. And you're representing. Um, it's kind of like. Right. It'd be kind of like going to, oh, I don't know. You say you're meeting someone for coffee, and um, you know you're you're there to 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 be there for them and and be their best friend, um, but they know you're they know you're a counselor or something like that. It's not like you you showed up or you're paying them or something. You know, there's there's some sort of strike against you that just makes them think that it's slightly less than authentic. Mm. And um and so it, just a a big challenge. But a lot of the musicians I got to talk with were really great. And obviously they've been trained to, uh, you know, handle the press and, and be able to, to say the right pat answers. And I always just tried to nudge them to, uh, to, to be true to themselves. And, and that's about it. Okay. Right. Just to get like a little below the surface. Right. And exactly. if, you, if you build exactly. a little bit of trust and just, right. you know, you, you give them a, a little reveal or, you know, Hey, I know what's going on. You've got your thing. I got my thing. But let's let's try to go beyond the what we're all you know tuning out. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. That blah 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 blah. You know, hundred percent. And we're all giving it anyway. We've all heard that before. Wow. So so how did you transition from being a full time journalist to okay? What ha- what was next? What was the next move after journalism? That was. That's a, a an interesting <laughs> story. <Is> big Veer, <laughs> one that I, it's really hard to explain. A huge turning point in my life. Um, like I said, I'd done was going working for a hometown, uh, this small paper covering mostly sports, and I started seeing the same stories every year, uh, covering the same events, and just wasn't challenged. Uh, I think I had won or was a finalist for kind of the top award that I could get, you know, in my second year. And it, it just felt like, well, that's it. <laughs> I've uh, there's out. nothing else to aspire to. <laughs> right. And uh, that's when my writing really, I started and I started finding out more about the publishing industry, about books, asking myself what I was passionate about and, and starting to delve into both fiction and nonfiction uh, writing, you know, full length books, the challenge of it all. Mm. And, um, well, one day, you know, my wife and I had saved up enough money to, to at least give ourselves a chance. You know, we figured we had enough money to live for maybe six months if I quit my job, Okay, which was not very much, but we were both thinking about it because we, we knew that something, uh, something was going to come, something had to. And, um, so I started thinking that around mid-March of this next year, I just got this strange feeling that something was going to happen. And that's just not me. That's not who I am. I, I usually don't have a lot of gut instincts. At least I didn't back then. And a lot of it is because I just, um, I, I don't think I had enough experience in, in life or trust and instincts or, uh, even, uh, my, my faith as a, as a believer in God, just, just kind of putting it in his hands. And so February comes along, I'm covering a basketball game friend I haven't talked with in over a year, uh, gives me a call out of the blue. So I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I step out of the game and I take the call and he says, Hey, uh, I work at a job that would give you a lot more time to write, you know, work on your own. Because at the time I was working, I mean, writing on my day off, uh, once a week for about 16 hours, like morning to night. That's all I did. You know, some, some days I would write, you know, 6,000 words or so, uh, which is still kind of slow for 16 hours, but still, um, and so I was like, well, wow, well, I'm super interested. When does it open? He says, well, it's mid-March. 
I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What's this job all about? Well, it ended up being a job as a night manager at a retirement home where you would get free room, free board to basically live at this place and be on call for emergencies from 6 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next morning every day. And I was like, and you get paid wow, to do that. Uh, sit there and do nothing. Let's do it. And so <laughs> I went and applied for the job. They didn't give it, give it to me on the spot. Uh, it would be both my wife and I actually basically living in this apartment there. Mm. And um, nice. I walked away from it and I was like, okay, great. If I get this job, then I'm going to quit my journalistic job. And uh, at the time, uh, coming from, you know, Jesus Freak background, I, um, I started thinking to myself, like, I'm kind of basically saying, you know, I've had this feeling for a while, but I, I haven't really given, I haven't really stepped out in faith in any sort of way. And at the time, uh, there was an interesting par- parallel going on. Uh, my dad, I was telling him about my plans to kind of do something different with my writing, step into books and this and that and fiction. And he was kind of came back to the same thing. Like, where's the money, Caleb? Like, how are you going to do this? It, it doesn't sound like a wise idea. And I, I was really hurt. I really wanted to get my dad's affirmation on it. I wanted him to believe that I could do it before I actually did. Mm. Um, you know, because there, those are, those are tough moments when, uh, you know, you can't go back to believe in someone. And that's what I wanted. I wanted my dad to believe in me from the get go. And I started paralleling this with how, uh, how God and I were having our conversations and, and prayer and, and different things like that. I was like, you know what? Um, the thing that's happening with my dad right now is basically what's happening between me and God right now. I'm saying, God, give me this job and then I'm going to quit. Like show me the end of the tunnel and then I'm going to walk through it. Show me the last Mm. step in the staircase and then I'll start walking. Right. Right. And so I did something crazy. I went, I put in my, uh, resignation at my job, uh, before I learned that I got the, uh, the, the job. And, uh, three days later I ended up getting offered that position and I also signed with a literary agent after a couple of years of trying and getting lots of rejection. So all that happened within a week. So what? long story, I what? will pause, but that was a, a <laughs> crazy transition in life. Okay. Okay. Wait. Wow. That's, that's a wow. Okay. So you were waiting, you were, your initial conversation with God, which I love, uh, was, okay, if you just give me this job, then I'll quit. Right. Did I exactly. Get that right? Okay. <laughs> and and then for some reason you decided to go ahead and quit and then you got the job. Is that did I read that it, right? That's exactly right. So you 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 basically did the proverbial leap of faith. I did. Good for I you. I did. I remember it to this day. <laughs> I went out on a drive, like yeah. truly just a drive to think. And, um, I couldn't help those two parallels of how, uh, I was thinking about my own dad and then thinking about my spiritual father. And, um, I just was like, Caleb, either you're a hypocrite or, um, or you're, you're, you're asking for something you're, you're not willing to give. And, and that, that didn't sit right with me. I was like, okay, well, sink or swim. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. We all do this though. I, I did the same thing myself last year. So I'll try to make my story short because this is your show. It's about you. (laughs) But I just want to say that everybody does this, right? We all sort of like have these moments where we lack faith. Um, So we were in, my wife is from Japan. So that means we have to go there like at least once a year. Mm. Right. So we were there last year, uh, like on Thanksgiving time. Okay. And while I'm there, I sort of like, I had been wanting to get out of Los Angeles and California specifically for years, right? And I've been trying to work it out, 
<laughs> but my wife was and I were really hooked on being there for like probably the wrong reason, just because she had a job she didn't really like, right? Mm-hmm. And paid really good, okay? But we didn't like the taxes. We didn't really like a lot of things about being in Southern California just bothered us, but we had that job that was paying bills, right? Mm. So <clears throat> we're in Japan, right? We're having a good time. We're sitting on a train or something. And I just kind of offhandedly say, yeah, I think I'm going to quit so we can move to uh, Las Vegas. Probably I'll just quit like when we get home. And she's like, well, I can't quit until like March or April. Right. Just like that. Right. Hmm. And, and I was like totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> I had I was just like being sarcastic. Right. Waiting, waiting for her to say something like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Right. Right. But she didn't. Right. Hmm. So I jumped on it. I was like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Then we'll sell the house. And she's like, yeah, but we'll have to time it out so I can quit my job like around because we have to get it, you know, and she's already on board. Right. And I am totally floored. Right. So as soon as we get back to her parents' house, I email a friend back home who lives in Vegas and I'm like, my wife just green lighted us to move to Vegas. You have to help me. Right. So I, I immediately, as soon as I got back, I was working a temp job in downtown LA that paid really good. And, you know, I was kind of like kind of enjoying it, but it, it was, it had its issues as all jobs do, but I immediately quit. I was like, uh, sorry, I have to sell my house and I'm moving to Vegas. Great job. Have a nice life. Right. Hmm. (laughs) Well, at that point, you know, I, I actually had a piece of it already in. But the, the, the doubt came in when I was pretty sure my wife was going to back out if I didn't get a job mm. before we sold the house, right? So that was where my, my uh, doubt came in. And, uh, and eventually, I figured out that we were just going to sell the house and have to move. <laughs> it wasn't like this big aha moment. It was like, well, this job isn't going to happen until we get there. And everybody was okay but I worried about it all the way up until we left. Hmm. <laughs> right. So we all go through those things where it's like, you think, you know, you think it's going to be the end of the world and it never is. Right. That's so true. Right. Um, it, I, I guess we, we just tend to think that it, it something good couldn't happen. <laughs> uh, I really like the Jim Carrey, uh, one of his, one of his speeches that he gave oh, that, that, that went that viral, thing? he talked about how his father kind of took the safe job to, yeah. to make sure that the family was I okay. He could, Jim Carrey said his father could have been a great comedian, mm-hmm. but uh, that never happened because he took the safe job and then he got fired from that safe job. And Jim Carrey went on to say that you can fail at things you don't even want to do. So why not <laughs> go down swinging, trying to do, do the, the thing, thing you, you actually want to do? Yes. And that involves faith. So true. I love that whole speech, by the way. Really good speech. Maybe I'm going to go try to find that and link it. because <laughs> yeah, Really good. Really, really good. Yeah, really. Jim Carrey yeah, must have been hilarious. given a commencement or something. Yeah, he was at a, uh, some sort of a college graduation, I think. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you have signed a literary agent and you have this do nothing job that lets you write books. Am I reading this correctly? Yes. Uh, the do nothing job. Um, 
was a little. Probably, I will say this: yeah. it was an interesting kind of mental battle that happened with it. Um, it. It's it's strange when you have to be back home at 6 p.m. every day. It it definitely puts a uh, a damper on your life in, in life, different right. ways, and then being up early and kind of being on call if you know someone uh, you know, falls or has a stroke or anything like that. We're the first kind of the first responders, so it brought right. in a different element to our lives. But the yeah, the gist of it is that we traded, we got a whole lot more time back. We just had to deal with some the the mental side that came with uh, those those obstacles that I just mentioned. Right. Well, and I've had like situations like that in the military where your 95% of the job is just being there and doing nothing. Sure. And, you know, like guard duty or something, you know? Right. It's like, if nothing happens, great. <laughs> right? Exactly. But it is that, it's like that, it's sort of like fireman syndrome, right? It's like, if the alarm goes off, it's your ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that that's that's kind of like this crazy like I'm nodding off, I'm sleeping, I'm I'm so bored, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden it's like an emergency, right? So yeah. that's a whole different stressful situation. So calling it a do nothing job is probably inaccurate. So I apologize for that. But not at all. It close. I was getting close to a uh, have more free time job. How's that sound? I- I mean, when I was looking at it, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right, right. You were thinking, hey, I'll have all this time. So you probably did get more time, but not not in a perfect way. Exactly. And right. now that I think about it, like <laughs> there never would be a perfect way. So, no. I mean, you, you really hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then you write a book, I take it. So what was Correct. this first book that you write? So first book, um, I, I would, you know, I was writing, working toward fiction for years. And when I met the literary agent and that's all, <laughs> that's a whole other story that I could also get into. That was crazy. Um, but basically I shifted focus to nonfiction and Hey, what was going on in my heart? And at the time, my first book, it was really around this issue of, uh, millennials in the church, uh, okay. you know, lots of, lots of millennials leaving the church. And just really simplified issue, and and I felt this uh, a great deal is that Jesus made kind of the Christ, Christian walk very simple: uh, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know, love God, love others. Pretty pretty simple. But a lot of millennials were leaving the church because it just wasn't reflected, and so that was the first issue that I that I really tackled, and it wasn't. Like, um, I was out to send a message, but really to explore something, uh, to explore a topic, um, because that's really what I think, uh, the, the best writing comes from. It comes from a question, not from a, you know, you're coming out to send a message. And, uh, I love that quote about if you want to send a message, try Federal Express when you, when it comes to writing, because <laughs> you serve your reader so much more. And when you look at something, you explore it. And so I right. wrote a book uh, about that topic. And then I wrote a book about dating and, and relationships and kind of what it means uh, to, to, to date in a God honoring way when you're getting to know this other person and trying to figure out if you should spend your lives together. And that was another thing. You know, I had no idea other than my own experience and I wanted to explore it. I wanted to ask that question. You know, there's no book of relationships in the Bible. So what does it mean? And that's something that I explored in another book. So those two books came out uh, with Harvest House Publishers in 2013 and 14. 
and that was great. Um, but um, in the midst of, right? of all of that, yeah. I learned that writing is only part of the equation. You right. have to be an incredible marketer. And I did everything I could to that point. And I had started my internet marketing journey learning here and there. But uh, once the books didn't do as well as I thought they could have, especially with the timing of it, see, it was really a lot of things were going for, especially my first book. And um, we ended up, you know, I ended up u- buying a lot of my own books to give away for free because one thing I want to do is start pockets of wildfires, you know, people talking about it. Sure. So we went to, my wife and I literally drove around in a bread truck with 6,000 books in it going to different <laughs> conferences and giving them away for free and, and awesome. different booths and starting that up conversations is, with people about you uh, the so book. And about uh, that was that put us that. about $20,000 in debt doing everything I possibly could. I wanted to... Uh, make sure that uh, I didn't leave any. I, I didn't want to look back and ever have regrets that I didn't try as hard as I could, and I did try as hard as I could, and the book did well. It got up into the top three percent of all books, but still wasn't enough to to get into that echelon of the book is selling so much more that it's that it's not only getting its advance back right. for the publisher, but it's making them a lot of money. That never happened. Mm. And I realized that I needed to become a marketer. I needed to become uh, someone who could not just write and tell stories and uh, and and search issues, but I needed to be someone who could learn how to connect with people and and get in front of people. Because without marketing, um, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, great writers who will never be heard. A lot of great people with great things to say. Mm. And so that became the next journey of my life. I, I stopped writing for basically four years and um, to learn internet marketing. And so that that came that came the next part of my journey. Wow. So what did you do to learn internet marketing? There's no college course for internet marketing. I think you just kind of did <laughs> yeah. it or you the learned. School them. of hard knocks. You yeah, know? There there's you go. um what I found is that there's a lot of people out there teaching. Um, and frankly, there's a lot of people out there teaching a lot more valuable material than you can find at a university. Right. And I started taking these classes, learning uh, who was – basically, I looked for people who were doing what I wanted to do. Not teaching theory, but actually showing you know, what it was they're doing, how they were successful – and then uh, applying those steps. And uh, at, for a while, I got lost in it. There were so many teachers and so many people with different ideas and methods they were doing. And after a while, I finally narrowed it down to just a few. And then I connected with a few of them. And uh, through the journey I've had with a few of um, the internet marketers I've met along the way, you know, one of my friends was um, uh, selling phone books only about seven years ago. And now he's an eight-figure earner as an as a internet marketer. Wow. Um, and that's all he does. <laughs> he's, he's really incredible at it. Wow. But um, so I was learning along different people, learning from uh, the best people I could learn from, taking classes, really investing in it too. You know, classes aren't, aren't cheap. No. But I was learning skill sets. I was learning uh, how to fish, you know, if you will, kind of the fishing pole yeah, and not, yeah. not the fish. Yeah. And uh, internet marketing, just being able to market is a skill set that you'll never regret having. And so that, that's really how that came about. Wow. Okay. So now you've learned marketing. You've learned internet marketing. You, you already knew how to write. So the next step had to be, well, I don't know. Well, the the next step really was uh, realizing the hardship that it really takes to bring something of value to the world. 
in book form and and just anything yeah. uh, to to start anything to build a platform to to find people with something great to say and build them the platform they need to be able to bring that to the world i knew firsthand from the writing side from the marketing side that this is not easy and and i know that most people do think it is easy because i talk with them every day and most people believe that their book if written will sell really well or at the very right. least it will easily break even that right. is not the case. Yeah. Writing, marketing, getting a message out there, starting a business or a career or consulting, everything takes a ton of work. And, and because I've been there, not from one angle, but many, uh, gone the traditional route, the self-published route, the hybrid route, the writing route, uh, I've, I've done editing, I've, uh, I've done, you know, I'm a marketer because I can wear so many different hats, hats within the industry. I know that I could bring a lot of value to people who, who just didn't have the time or the, the natural, you know, talent writing wasn't their thing to actually get it done. And, you know, 82% of Americans say they want to write a book. And that means there's a lot of people out there who have this dream, but they'll never get close to it because of the journey it really takes. And so, Mm. That's where I started up Sermon to Book. I uh, was having a coffee date with my wife, and that just came to me, thinking about pastors have all this content that they, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears preparing every week, and, right. and for years and years have all this content, uh, dissecting the Bible, things like that, mm-hmm. that was just sitting on a shelf. And so that was the first company, Sermon to Book. Uh, that it was successful for uh, uh, two years. It's, it's successful to this day. But out of it, uh, people started asking, hey, do you only do this for pastors? And uh, <laughs> the answer was no. Uh, actually, right. we, we're, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an interviewer. I'm great at pulling people's stories out. So uh, that launched Speak It to Book, which really is where we would interview people, get their value out of them, and then move forward with our process, which would include uh, all sorts of development and uh, what I call seven-point ghostwriting, publishing, cover design, back cover copy, Publishing as a paperback, ebook, audiobook, hardcover. You know, I learned all of these things along the way, and and now wow. just have a, a wealth of knowledge on on what it takes to not only write a book but publish it and reach an audience. And of course, it's not perfect. Of course, every every author is going to be different. Every situation is going to be different. But uh, you know, because I had that value to bring to the table and could be that that person to help others on that journey. Um, that's where Sermon to Book and Speak It to Book uh, were launched. And uh, now we are, we, you know, we consider ourselves, we are a ghostwriting agency. And uh, and we're also more than that. You know, we help people plan, you know, to build their platforms, you know, to uh, create a career or a business out of right, things. Right. We think so much bigger than a book. And one day we might, you know, create another branch that better reflects exactly what we're doing. Because most people are surprised about the marketing side of what we do. Right. No. And it's a lot more than what Speak at the Book sounds like. Sure. It's almost like Speak at the Platform. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Speak it to awesome life. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Caleb, this has been a blast, but we're already at the five o'clock hour. And uh, that's all the time you've donated to me and my cause. But I really appreciate you being here and chatting with me. So, uh I will give you the last word and uh, we'll wrap it up. Well, it, 
has been an absolute pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. Just great questions. I hope that the listeners uh, gain some valuable nuggets from it. Um, and again, uh, I had mentioned earlier that uh, we have a uh, video workshop at startyourbooktoday.com forward slash video and blueprint uh, that will have some PDFs and videos that will really walk you through exactly uh, what our process is at Speak It to Book and our marketing philosophy, building a platform, the whole bit. And that's all free. So if you want to check that out, would absolutely love it. And, and just thank you for having me on today. This was great. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Awesome. All right. We'll see you later, Jeff. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.